Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Justin Lapera. Yep, that's right, Lapera. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, describe what your role is in the film? Um, I was the director, writer, and producer of the film. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I was quite intrigued that uh, for usually for a sports action film, it's not always, uh, not usually political. Right. So, <laughs> so did you anticipate making a political film when you started? No, no, not at all. In fact, um, we were trying to avoid the conflict. We knew there was some conflict over there, and we were trying to avoid that. We knew the trip itself was going to be hard enough, um, and that we really didn't know. We knew where we wanted to go, but we had no idea of how to get there. Um, we wanted to get to this remote coastline, which is pretty much the whole coastline of New Guinea, but we, we found some places that looked like they could have some waves um, just off Google Earth, looking at coastlines from above places that would have points, um, places that looked like they had beach or reef. And um, so we knew that was going to be a task because it's the densest rainforest in the world and there's no real roads that go to these areas. So um, so our task was just to get out of the city, which is Jayapura, which is where a lot of the conflict is, and um, with a ton of surfboards uh, for all the guys and then all our film gear. There was three of us filming, so it was a small crew, but still a ton of gear. Just getting out of the city alone was a task, and we were definitely trying to avoid any conflict there. Um, I just went no uh, journalist visas in the region. I just went to another film festival this weekend, and uh, a filmmaker there was talking about carrying three hard drives to back up the digital. Did you have to do that? Um, on the first trip, we we used tape, and then oh. on our second trip back, we went with hard drives, and we brought four um, mini drives with us and, and then the laptop. And, and then uh, basically what we do is we try to bring up batteries and enough memory cards um, to cover about two weeks because uh, we were in areas that didn't have any electricity and we didn't know how long we could be there. Um, so you want to make sure you're covered for at least two weeks of filming. And then when we finally get to a place, then it's dump all that footage and, and start the new batch up. But, uh, so back it up when you get to a city or something. Right, right. But it's definitely not easy to do that <laughs> in those cities. <laughs> so how did you do it when there was no electricity? Um, well, we just we just had a ton of batteries and then had um, a lot of tapes and a lot of – we had backup tapes um, in case our P2 cards ran out. And then uh, our compact flash cards and the P2 cards, we just brought a ton of them. Um, about – I would say about – I think we had – 400 hours to cover two weeks wow. of footage before we would dump again. So, so. Uh, so you were in the quest for the perfect wave. Uh, so you found it, I guess, at the end. In the, in yeah, the film, yeah, we, we actually yeah. did. It was, uh, yeah. it was uh, pretty amazing. It's this wave that's kind of hidden. Um, it really doesn't break. It's, we were looking at reefs outside, and when we first saw the, the wave, we didn't see it at all because we were at this bay, and it was high tide. And this particular reef only shows itself pretty much at low tide. And it sits right in the oh. middle of the bay. So we were looking at these other points, and then all of a sudden, um, Andrew Mooney had a hunch to go back um, when it was a lower tide and there was more of a swell. And sure enough, this perfect hidden wave was, was breaking, and it, it breaks on a circular reef. So you can go either direction, huh. get a perfect barrel, and then you can do turns. And if you link up, Right, you can come all the way around the reef and back into the lineup. So, did you? Um, you couldn't use Google Earth to look for this place. No, no. I mean, <laughs> Google Maps or something, whatever. Kind of helped us map out from the very beginning. 
um, places in uh, the region that could potentially have waves. But after that, that's pretty much it. You're really just looking at coastline oh. and, um, and swell direction and hoping that you time your trip out when swell seems to be coming more so in that direction. So it's a north swell that you need um, pretty much going directly south. So, so what's the most um, amazing thing you learned from this trip? Well, just the experience that we had with the people over there was, was truly amazing. Um, staying in the tribes and learning about their struggle and then uh, bringing surfing to them. That was really something that was incredible because they, they've been dealing with a lot. And so having the surfing there, yeah. it was really like an outlet for them. And they'd never seen something like that. And um, anybody that's a surfer knows how amazing that is that first time you surf. Yeah. And imagine never seeing it and then being presented with it and, and then being given boards to continue surfing. How, how young were the youngest kids who learned to surf? Uh, the youngest, I mean, they had the babies out pushing them into small little waves. I mean, huh. probably right, yeah. like two-year-olds, they, <laughs> they were they were pushing all the way up to, you know, even the, the elders were doing it, um, trying to get out and surf. So that was that was pretty incredible to see. How do you teach people when you don't know the language? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a lot of mimicking and like uh, a lot of, uh, you know, um, unspoken dialogue with your arms and, and, and really putting them on the board and then trying to show them. And, and they understood, you know, what you're trying to do as far as, as teaching them. So they're, they're real receptive to, to, you know, understanding when you're, when you're motioning to paddle and then teach, showing them how to stand and then being able to see the surfers do it, that kind of helped them get the idea of what to do. At one point, the, you go back to the village and they're gone. So why, why were, I wasn't clear why they were moved out. Was it because of redevelopment? Yeah, they're, they're building a, a hotel there. And so um, the people left there are the ones holding on to the area because they really don't know any other way. They've, they've completely survived off of this uh, little stretch of beach. Um, everything they need is right there. And so they've, for generations, have lived in that area and survived there. So um, some of the, the people that had left had already decided to go to the city and try to transition into that life and, and maybe move to a different area where they oh. could get, you know, education and learn more about, um, you know, functioning in a Western, I guess, society versus, yeah. um, which is really sad. You know, they were, I mean, I could I couldn't imagine it's the only thing, you know, and then all of a sudden it's taken from you. And it's like, here, now you're off to, to figure out how to survive without the means that you had before. So did you get any hassle from the government uh, after the film was made? No, you know, we, we haven't. I think um, the president of Indonesia has acknowledged the human rights abuses over there. Oh. Um, and he claims that they're going to make changes to the region by punishing uh, the military personnel that have been involved. Um, unfortunately, since he said that, uh, there's been more and more um, leaders that are promoting peace in the region that have been getting wiped out. Um, being getting killed, yeah. um, so it's it really doesn't seem like it's it's actually uh, happening where they're actually being punished. Um, and most of the the videos coming out are coming from the military uh, themselves shooting the videos on their on their phones, and and so that's how a lot of the footage has been being leaked right now. The tortures and the the, the killings that have been going on in the area. So to me, it's it's really disheartening to know that they're still doing this. Uh, even though the president's claim that they're going to uh, punish these people involved. 
How did, uh, what do you mean the military is leaking it? These are dissidents within the military or? Yeah, these are, the military is actually doing the videos and then somehow they're leaking out into, oh. uh, onto, uh, onto the internet. Um, but they're the ones dumb enough to actually shoot, uh, this going on, which, you know, it's, it's really bad. The one thing is that things are starting to change over there, I think, because everything is viral. And yeah. now the, there are more eyes on the area because before there wasn't phones that had cameras and, oh, and yeah. now there is. So more and more stuff's being leaked out. And now, um, uh, Papuans are starting to get their hands on, on camera phones and, and other different kinds of cameras and are able to go into the cities and actually uh, start uploading these videos of what's going on. How, how many people are being killed each year now? You know, they, they don't have a number. You know, there's no, there's no journalist visas over there. So for okay. us to, to document, it's very difficult. Um, when we met with uh, Papuan political figures, they said, you know, there's thousands and thousands that have been killed, but you really don't know because the area is so remote that there's tribes out there, they believe, that don't even know that there's another world that exists oh, outside yeah. of that tribe. They've never yeah. been in contact with anybody from the outside world. Yeah, so true. we don't know what's going on in those areas. We don't even know if, if they've been wiped out. We would never know. Oh, right. So how did yourself get politicized? Did you know anything about um, the Papuan uh, liberation movement or whatever? Do you know anything before this? No, no, I didn't. I, um, I love Indonesia. I, I still do. I, I think um, when you go to Indonesia, it's a, it's a very, uh, the people there are amazing. Um, they take you in open arms. I've shot a couple movies out there. Um, and so we really didn't want to take sides. In fact, we, we knew there's definitely two sides to every story. So when we went over there, we were trying to just stay out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, more of a selfish yeah. act and, and just trying to find waves and document surfing. And, and then when we really discovered what was going on, we realized we have to help these people. You know, there is, there's a major issue going on. Um, but yeah, we really, before that, I didn't know anything about the liberation movement. Um, I knew from my understanding, there were rebels that we had to watch out for on the Papuan side. Yeah. Uh, there had been kidnappings before where journalists or researchers have actually gone over there and been kidnapped by the OPM, which is the guerrilla um, movement over there in the region. And so we were definitely leery of Papuans just as much as, as the military starting out. Because um, we knew the military was accused of wiping out these tribes, but yet the, the Papuan uh, guerrillas have been, you know, out, you know, kidnapping um, Westerners. So was that the same uh, reaction? I mean, from your other other the surfers there that you took um, along, they didn't know much about it. Yeah, yeah, they they really didn't know anything about. It. They were going out there to serve. Travis <laughs> was really the only one that really had a good idea because he lives in Indonesia. Oh. Um, and so he was able to kind of get an understanding. And again, you know, we, we definitely weren't trying to take any sides um, documenting this. We were just documenting our journey. And it just so happened that these people's voices came out in our journey. Um, but yeah, the surfers, they, uh, you know, we kind of forewarned them about Jayapura and that, hey, <clears throat> we need to be very fast. We need to get our stuff um, hidden quick and we need to get out of the city and get remote, and then we'll be safe. So they knew there was some danger involved there, but, uh, yeah, we didn't really, they really didn't know much that we'd get thrown right in the middle of it. And he knew the language. Travis knew knew, knew the language. Yeah, yeah. He speaks full Indonesian. So that was a huge help when organizing things and, 
And um, also, a lot of the tribes spoke Indonesian, so he was able to at least translate mm. information to us. How did you get a celebrity involved in narrating it? Um, Ryan was <clears throat> Ryan's a unique guy. He's a and that you know he's he's an amazing uh, celebrity, amazing actor, um, but he's also got a huge heart. And um, when he saw the early stages of the the movie being put together, he said, "This is something I definitely want to be a part of." He loved the adventure side of it. Um, but then when he knew about the cause, I think that really drew him in more to, to want to be involved, which was, which was amazing. We just came across him through the, uh, Jeff Clark, the producer who had contacts to him and, and went from there. But we were really lucky that yeah. someone like him got to be involved. So a lot of people have actually gone online to speak out. What's, what's the idea behind that to, um, on, on your website? Yeah, basically we're ambassadors for peace, meaning that we want the world to, to recognize the human rights abuses over there. And we just want to see change in the region as far as peace goes. You know, we're not advocating, you know, independence. I know the Papuans are very um, strong in their beliefs in independence. And we really aren't taking that kind of stance. We believe Indonesia is an amazing country um, and that there is hope in this region, that there can be a coexistence. And so our goal is to promote peace and hopefully uh, get the president to um, uh, the president of the United States to acknowledge the human rights abuses over there and to address them with Indonesia and hopefully making a change in that region. You mentioned the president. So, I mean, he has some background there. So was, did right. that, did, do you think that he's more open because of that? I, I would hope so. I think, um, you know, Indonesia is a great ally for the United States. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think we can work together with them and, uh, and, creating a positive impact over there. And so I would hope that, yeah, he, he has more of a, I think he is interested. He's been over there supposedly yeah. to address issues after one of the torture videos was leaked. And so I know there's some interest in addressing um, what's going on over there. It's just hopefully he'll continue to follow through and really try to, um, you know, really try to push for change. Are you going to send him a copy of your film? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're definitely in the process of doing that. We definitely want to do that. For sure. Absolutely. So uh, how are you helping the people there now? Uh, are you still in contact with them directly? Unfor unfortunately, there's no real contact mm. um, other than with some people that exist in the city. Mm. Um, but they're still so remote, there isn't much contact. Um, and it's really hard to find out what is going on over there unless you actually go over there. Um, so unfortunately, there isn't a lot of contact uh, between us and the people over there right now. About the human rights workers in in Indonesia, uh, are you, are they able to uh, continue working for this cause or helping the people there? The, um, the yeah, as far as the human rights organization of uh, Asia, they are working on mm -hmm. on bringing more awareness to the area. Um, just like we are, Amnesty International um, was one of the groups that was involved in getting the president to acknowledge the human rights abuses over there, which is a huge step. Mm. Um, so they are actively working to try to, to to get awareness over there and to get these people help. On the people that put up the, the videos on your site, uh, what types of people have done that? Um, we have all walks of life. So we have celebrities from uh, surfers to uh, just somebody that is inspired by the movie or the movement that said, hey, I just want to you know put my name on uh, my name and face on this to say that I care about what's going on over there. I've never met these people. Hmm. Um, I've never been to this area, but, but I am, uh, 
one that wants to promote peace. And I think, um, you know, with a petition, it's, it's a written signature, but when you can put thousands of faces on something from all over the world saying, we want change. I think that could really create a a really great movement that could really force change. Um, I think, you know, those that want to, um, abuse human rights. I think if they know the world is watching, they know eyes are on them. They may be more less likely to do it. That's kind of our belief in this is that, you know, we want them to know the world is watching and the world will know what's going on and, and they won't, you know, get away with it. Was there inspiration from something else similar that inspired you to, to put up this website like this? No, we, you know, Jeff uh, Clark, the producer, was the one that thought of the idea for the, the uh, video uh, promotion. Um, and, and that was more so just to, um, we thought, you know, we, were, we just were trying to think, what do we have the power of doing? Oh, yeah. And this was something we said, we could do this. We have the power here. There's not, there's not a whole lot you can do um, except try to get the message out there, get the word out there to the people that, in, in organizations that can help force change. And so that was our goal is just to do everything we could to get this message out. What if somebody wants to donate money? Where does the money go, I guess? Um, right now, there's for us, we don't have a, a, a specific particular place to donate money um, in that we're just trying to create awareness and trying to get the White House and U.S. Congress to address the issues. I think that's our big goal. Um, I think there are foundations like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International. That's where you can definitely donate money, um, and that money will go towards uh, getting uh, media and getting people out there to get um, to get more awareness and to capture what's going on over there. Um, the White House has this uh, petition option on its website. You can um, put a petition on their website, and then they will supposedly respond to it. Have you thought right. of that that idea? Yeah, and that, that was a start. That's one of the things that we're doing is we have uh, that petition on our site as well that you can yeah. sign. It yeah. Basically what happens is that after 25,000 uh, signatures, the, the White House has to respond to this oh. issue. Um, they can definitely – there's some crazy ones on there. Yeah. You know, I think there's like one of Pierce Morgan being deported and there's right, like right, right. Uh, creating a death star. Obviously, they're just going right. to sign off saying, no, we can't do this. But at right. least we can get – that's that's one thing we thought, hey, we can get a lot of – of people signatures to show that uh, show the white house that there are people in the United States that want to see change and we want to see something done. Uh, back to the film. Uh, how long did it take? It's uh, several years, right? Before you put all this together. Right, right. We went back uh, three years ago was the first trip and we shot, mm. you know, a good portion of the movie then. Um, and then after that, we came back and started editing the story and realized, you know, with everything going on over there, uh, more and more human rights abuses were, were being leaked out. We knew we had to do something, and we didn't have enough. We needed to go back and really focus on this side of the story and really try to help these people. Um, so we went back uh, two years ago, and or I'm sorry, a year ago, so two years later, and documented you know going up into the highlands um, to meet the people that have been the areas that have been the most affected recently. Uh, with tortures and with, with murders and interviewing those people to find out what's going on and then going down uh, back to uh, the village uh, where we taught the kids how to surf and, and discovering and that. They're, they're still surfing, huh? Yeah, still, yeah. yeah. They're, they're now known as like a surf. When we pulled up to the harbor to, to get a boat 
and we told him where we wanted to go. He was like, oh, the the, the, the place where people uh, walk on water, the, the, <laughs> the ride on ride waves. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, my God. It's turned into a, uh, a little surf community. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank just, you very much yeah. for having me. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, I'll put it up soon and let you know. Okay. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. care. Yeah. Thanks.